You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the movie podcast who would fight seven evil exes just for you. I'm your host, Pogues, and I'm joined by Kreish and the boys, Rody Ben Chapman. Hello! Always so excited, I appreciate it. I bring a lot of energy to this podcast. It's what the fans expect. It's why I'm on all the merchandise. I didn't even know we had merchandise, so I guess I'm... Oh, never mind. Oh, I guess I'm definitely not the fan favorite, then. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't, don't cut up. Don't back now, Ben, we're joined by a special guest for this episode, aren't we? So special. We are joined by uh, my betrothed, my... That's <laughs> inaccurate. Are you, are you afraid to say my wife? Because... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm afraid I'm afraid if I say my wife, we'll do a Borat impression. Or my, she will. My wife. Okay, she there will. There we go. <laughs> uh, uh, my, my ex-girlfriend, uh, my first wife, uh, those are both technically true. Uh, dad jokes, uh, Sarah Brunkhorst. Hello. Hi. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> now, this we, we said on the mini-episode it was going to be a special guest, and we meant it, so... We really meant it. And in fact, we were just discussing whether or not uh, uh, Pogues and Sarah know each other, and uh, there was some confusion over that there fact. There wasn't confusion, Ben, so much <laughs> as your wife forgot an hour-long conversation the two of us had. That's really... it's on you, honestly. Well, I thought we hit it off. I was really drunk at Schulte's wedding... And I thought Ben was trying to trick me. <laughs> Wait, trick you into what? Saying that I did meet you when I actually didn't. <laughs> yeah, or meet you, folks. It's a clever ben. trick on my part. Way, way to pass it off on me. I don't think he was trying to trick you. I think he thought I was lying. <laughs> if that makes you feel any better, I think he thought I was pretending like I had met you for some. I don't know what. Well, what was the end game for that? But <laughs> Ben has some crazy plans. So how you two doing? We're doing all right. We uh, uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be uh, clear up front. We actually are just coming off of watching the film that we're about to cover, which, frankly, I think is the best way to record a podcast regarding that film is to just walk in immediately after seeing it and having no time to digest anything you just saw. You know, it's not a great way to watch it. What's is that? To watch it alone, knowing you're going to have to talk to your friend and his wife about a rom com. <laughs> You know, I think the one thing that this movie made me think of is uh, love and how important it is. Yeah, it made me think of dying alone. So that's something. <laughs> this movie made me think about all of like my failed relationships. Oh, your present pre- one, not included. your proceed. Okay, yeah, saw that coming, mile away. I know that she put that one up on like a, a T, and I just <laughs> that one. Yeah, it was on a marquee. It was on a billboard. Yep. It was easy pickings. That wasn't low-hanging fruit. That was already in a bushel in my house. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And uh, I guess let's let's go through. This This film's going to have an interesting, since there's two of you, let's do it. Uh, what do you think the budget for this movie was? Oh, I'm so bad at these, Sarah. Show me, show me how it's done. Can I not answer that question just say something up front? Sure. I, Michael Sarah is so hot. That's not relevant to this and conversation. I still God do. It. Just God saying. damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wow. Suddenly, you and Ben as a couple are making a lot more sense. Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> is it because of the Sarah? Is that what, is that what gets you? A little bit? Mm, a little bit of the, you know? A little bit. Okay. But anyhow, the budget, I would say... Whew, I'm bad at movie budgets. Yeah, I'm terrible at this, so it's, it's yeah. It's, you literally can't be worse than Ben. It's, yeah. Was it an American movie? It was, right? Yeah. Yes. Just set in Canada? <laughs> Yes, was filmed in the United States. So well, you, actually, it might have been filmed in Canada. You don't need to translate your money into into, into well, no. to Canadian loonies. movies are notoriously very low budget. Uh-huh. Um, yes, because the state helps pay for a lot of them. Maybe like five hundred million. 
500 million do you think is a budget for a film? <laughs> so movies are like a billion dollar movie. No, I'm, I'm sorry. This is the budget. How much do you think it cost to make? Yeah, not, not what it made. The budget. Oh. I, I must, yeah, I didn't explain that well enough, I don't think. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 40 million is my guess. Okay. Nice round number. Sarah, do you want to take a guess or? 28 million. You want to do okay. 40 million one just so the price yeah, is right? Sure. Yeah, the price is right. One dollar. Uh, actually, this movie costs sixty million dollars, oh. which is a, is a decent chunk of change for a film like this. It had a lot of special effects in it, but I mean, it's not quite two hours, and it's not. It, I was surprised it cost sixty million. I feel like it's got to be that casting. They really went for. Yeah, I they mean, have tons of people in it. A lot of people are like pretty early in their careers in these films, but uh, in this film, but still, there's a lot of like big names here. Yes. Now, how much do you think it grossed domestically, just in the United States? How much do you think it grossed? You gonna bring it down from five hundred million? A five hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. <laughs> I knew that it was the box office wise did not do well for the studio, so I'm gonna say like twenty five million. That that's not a bad guess. It only made thirty one point five in the U S. and it didn't even make over 50 worldwide so this movie is so disappointing by definition a flop i because I, I have my grievances with the film which of course you will hear in the next hour or so but um i don't think it's uh, it's it's too fun of a movie to just completely be a flop it's kind of a shame yeah i think it doesn't have that wide appeal at all though yeah and that's what? 60 million for a, a little known comic is surprising budget wise yeah that's true now, this puts us in our list of comic book films. It's 98th, so there are still, like, 40-some films that are worse than it, box office-wise. Uh, adjusted for inflation, Oof. it goes to 106. So, Wow! Not yet. This is, this is the lowest movie we've done so far. So. That's so upsetting, considering yeah. that we talked about Alien vs. Predator at some point in this but podcast. That's why I said that this had a smaller appeal for, like, everyone involved. Alien vs. Predator... I imagine that there are lots of douchey assholes who would go see that movie. Well, they, yeah, I, um, us included. Yeah, thanks. I saw the <clears> theaters. <throat> wow. I cool. didn't see it. <laughs> I walked out of it. Oh, you didn't see me either, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, man, the zings keep coming. <laughs> you better have some aloe there for these sick burns. <laughs> what color are your eyes? Are they green with envy? Is <laughs> <laughs> me? I don't know, but they're blue. You would know that if you had paid attention when we met. Ooh. But I didn't, so I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Boom. She's got me there. Yeah. Also, fans, uh, they still refuse to do the Spider-Man kiss. I'm sorry for everybody who really wanted to know, but... Uh, well, we have to wait for it to rain first, which is hard to coordinate with our schedules. And uh, also, she doesn't like you know, being near me at any point, so... Oh, yeah, this is, like, a real beard relationship? Yeah, it's it's difficult. I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes to that. I wow. don't know what that means. I was gonna say, <laughs> it's an awkward thing to say you, you're gonna agree with. Alright, well, you guys... Oh, real quick, I'm just gonna do this, because I don't... The There are tons of people in this movie who are in other comic book movies. Yeah, it would be, it would be exhausting to list them. Hell, the Punisher is in this movie. Yeah, I was gonna say, just the big ones are uh, Tom Jane... Is in it. Yep. Brandon Roth, who played Superman in the really bad Superman. Mm-hmm. And Chris Evans, Captain America, 
as well as like nine other things. Chris Evans and Ryan Reynolds are in a lot of comic book movies. Yeah, yeah, they they skip around a lot. I mean, Chris Evans just really stole the show here. Yeah, <laughs> really. I for me, it's all about Wallace. Wallace is the, I wish I saw more in this movie. Yeah, I wish they had left in more of Wallace's jokes, but... Well, let's just get to it. Yeah. Uh, the film starts with that sweet 8-bit Universal logo. Yeah, I could, I could, I could watch that all day. I really, I really enjoyed that. And then it goes into a movie, and I actually don't remember how it starts. <laughs> I do. It's got the, uh, the opening uh, pan down about being in Toronto, and then it comes into... Oh yeah, it's got a voiceover opening. One of the most manic, like first acts of a film that I that I could recall in a long time. Obviously, I'm not a sequential guy. I like talking about concepts and themes, but the um, the first quarter of this film is insane because we were talking about this when we were watching it. You know, with 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 Batman Begins, we're talking an hour until we have what the movie promises, which is Batman in a suit fighting. Um, for a film about a boy meeting a girl, you know, in a relationship forming, we're at like 19 minutes before they're like in a relationship. It is rapid. Yes, it's very quick. Also, I'm going to interrupt this podcast for a second because we forgot to do our connections to this movie. Oh, yeah. That's a, I did not write good notes, pre-notes for this show. You sure did. I'm sorry. And I'm a terrible co-host, but no, um, I'll, I'll jump right on that. I, I, I read Scott Pilgrim books in, uh, well, I'm going I'm to make the most hipster statement ever and say I read the first book, like, right when it came out, instantly, because a friend of mine passed it on to me at a comic book convention that we were at, and I became utterly obsessed with this comic, and there's a reason this comic took off. It is it is still so unique and so strange and so weirdly meta and charming and very personal. Um, I will say, over the course of time, my appreciation for the comic started to dwindle. I got kind of annoyed with it around book five, six. And yeah, I didn't think the end of it was super strong. Yeah, my enthusiasm with the with the with this series really started to dip. They started going into these. They kind of broke their their whole core plot concept with Ramona, and there was this sort of like uh, he went off on his own, and there was this thing with Kent. I, I almost scarcely can remember it. I kind of wish I had reread the comics before. I actually reread the last one last yeah? night after I watched this because I could not remember how the series ended. Well, talk to me about it because if I recall, it's really disjointed until they get to the Gideon fight at the end. There's yeah, like a lot it's of, like, all over the place. Yeah. It's like, it's the biggest of all the books, but it is like, I, I remember when I read it the first time being like, oh, this is really just like all over the place and that's the way when i was reading it again it he goes and visits kim and kim's moved back to wherever they're from and he tries to make out with her he tries to make out he had like envies back in it it's really like they just everything happens like in the last i don't know it was just very weird uh, well, didn't the author recently divorce his wife who is also another comic book artist that is correct oh, did they really get a divorce oh, yeah a while back it was very quiet and the, but that, i think it was definitely post book yeah they were still together hope larson yeah that's good yeah. post post book post six like book though they so were probably I don't know. having issues could be yeah it could be that some of that worked it in uh worked into the book with the disjointed nature of like the way he perceived like this girl that was the inevitable future of his relationship that's interesting yeah. That's sort of a bummer. They always seem like a cute couple. I know, and it's always sad when a power couple disappears. I didn't think I was going to be able to survive when Will Arnett and Amy Poehler stopped dating. Tragedy. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and hang up. It's been fun. <laughs> I mean, I feel like...
like Will Arnett, like is gonna find some nice man at some point, and <laughs> it's gonna be. Really what are you implying about Will Arnett? I think he was pretty straightforward. Sexuality. That's fair. <laughs> now, Sarah, what's your connection to these? Well, I first read Scott Pilgrim when I was at a, I was looking for books to read at a like, used bookstore, and. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is the opening sentence of a passionate fan. <laughs> I'm a passionate fan. I was at the airport. I had nothing to do. <laughs> well, she went to a good used bookstore at least. At least had a comic section. Yeah. Well, I I was perusing like the young adult books and like the comics and stuff, and I found the first one. I was like, this looks interesting. Set the stage though. Where, where were you? Are you in college? What are you? I think I, I was back. Be. I was back home from college, okay. and you know my parents. I sure do. I was not in the house. <laughs> just getting clear, yeah. Yeah, so I was just, like, kind of, like, going back to all the same old, like, places that I'd gone when I was, like, younger in high school or, like, in middle school and stuff. And there was this little used bookstore I would always go and sell my used books at to, like, get new books, and, like, sci-fi fantasy stuff. They had a cat. The cat was delightful. And not, not to romanticize the story you're telling, but it seems like the exact sort of, like... That seems like the right place to be in to read Scott Pilgrim, all about like you know your history and how it how it like influences your you know your 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 current relationship. So it's, it's interesting that that was like I just read it at a convention once, like lying on like a hotel bed. So it had it had no like uh, that's localization. Like, that's like for the me. mint they place on your pillow at <laughs> conventions. They right. don't put they don't give you a mint. They're like here's Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, but so you just you just picked it up out of nowhere did you have yeah. anyone in, like recommend it to you no i just found it and it looked interesting uh-huh. and i read it i was like this is pretty awesome like i never was a real comic book fan mm-hmm. i was always like my brother was super into comics and he would make me go return his like trade comics he purchased at books like books a million for him so he wouldn't get caught because he would buy them and read them and make me return them that for little him. piece of shit yeah no, so I seems like an overly complicated scam. I mean, <laughs> like, like they're gonna see him return him and be like, "Wait a minute!" He but was, what was your was um? Scared. What was what was your like? What 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 got you hooked on Scott Pilgrim enough to read all six books? <clears throat> um, probably because like he was kind of oblivious to everything, and oh, I just felt like you. That's how you feel when you're, like, a teenager. And I was, like, probably, like, 19 or, like, 20 mm-hmm. at the most. And to be honest, I really liked Kim Pine. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see that connection. And Scott seemed like every boy that I had ever liked, ever. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, so this is weirdly autobiographical for Ben now because he has to wonder if he's just another Scott Pilgrim for her. Oh, he totally is. Well, you just related yourself to Kim Pine, so where does that put me? Because they do not end up together. They do not end up together. Are you Scott Pilgrim? <clears throat> so, uh, how much money did this movie make? Uh. <laughs> uh, my connection to this, I really don't remember why I bought the first one. It must have just been because of the art, because I will often buy comics just because I like, like if it's a weird art style and it looks cool to me, I'll buy it because I really, really like art. But I don't remember why I started buying them, but I bought the first one when it came out 
and I was like obsessed with it. And uh, it was like right at the time. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but I was. I do recall I was uh, in like a really shitty relationship, and then during the course of that, we broke up. And I don't know. I, the book, like at the time, really, I guess, spoke to me in my. I don't know, whatever you want to say. But I love the book. I love his art. I actually, before, to pull an, an even bigger hipster card, before he became really, really popular and the book really took off, you used to be able to email him and he would just email you back. And I emailed him about buying art and he won't sell art anymore on his website because he doesn't want to talk to the n- number of people who contact him. But I own a, an original piece of art from the first trade paperback, so... It's hanging in my wall. It's framed. It's pretty awesome. It's a scene they cut out of the movie, which was a real bummer for me. But uh, yeah, so I, I loved this book. Like I said, I've read it probably a dozen times. Maybe not the last few. Like I don't think I, I think I've only read five and six like twice. But big fan of the comic. Not as big a fan of this movie. Yeah, for me, I always connected. I didn't really. I mean, I, I totally appreciate how this is like a relationship tale, but. That wasn't something that necessarily connected with me. I didn't really have this like history of troubled relationships that I needed to like you know connect with in a comic. Didn't I re- you? I re- didn't you end a relationship on a train platform in okay. Munich? That's a good story, but that, that that's that's not necessarily a, a, a like a tragic like horrific relationship or anything. For me, Scott Pilgrim really <laughs> it spoke to me because of just like the aloofness of this protagonist and like his complete. Uh, uh, inability to connect to like the real world and understand where his place was that really spoke to me, especially as someone younger in college and not knowing what the fuck I was going to do. Still not knowing what the fuck I'm going to do, but now just married and together not knowing what the fuck we're going to do. So uh, uh, that that, that kind of concept really just speak to, spoke to me from the book. I know what I'm going to do. What's that? Huh? What's it, that? It, Does it rhyme I... with enforce? <laughs> Oh, I get it. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just getting over, like, a cold. So Stop I giving your hints. Uh, all right, so back to the movie. Uh, it starts with a voiceover, as we're starting to notice as a trend in comic book films. Uh, we go in, and like you said, it is a very... It, it starts just like the comic, and I will give them credit for throwing in a lot of the stuff from the comic. The little oh. boxes, like when they introduce the characters, that's straight out of the comics. Tons of the lines are word Tons for of the word shots the are yeah. shot for shot. And sequences just one to one. This is probably the most direct, like, like comic to page, or comic to screen. Uh, we're gonna see in a long time until we do Watchmen. It, it's it's yeah. aggressively on point, almost to its own fault. Yeah, I, one thing that I, I don't know. I want to get your guys' opinion. Did you feel like every character was like, "Oh, we're making a zany comic book movie. Let me act completely unnatural." No. No, I would agree. No, some characters do, and some don't. Kim, I thought Kim came off as really strong in the beginning, almost conf- like un- uncomfortably so, but then kind of like evened out as the movie went on. I feel like they told her that she's supposed to be as apathetic as a person can be. And yeah, I don't think that's the character of Kim. Well, that's Pine. just Allison Pill in general. It's too Perhaps. thick in the beginning. I think. Yeah, I think Stephen Stills thinks he's a cartoon character. <laughs> I don't know about that. What, what do you mean? Just like his overreactions to everything, like when they're, he's having the panic attack before their show. And, he's mm-hmm. the talent. He has to overreact. He's the diva. But in the comic, that's not at all the way he is. It's true. Um, he is, he is like the like stable person, I guess. Yeah, he's like the, the one who, I guess, doesn't have anything really wrong with him. Um, Julie and Stacy are spot on. Yeah. Uh, Julie, yeah, they were right. 
Aubrey Plaza's character and Stacy being the uh, sister. The sister, yeah, it's, it's Anna Kendrick. Yeah. yeah, I thought they were fine. Didn't like Envy. I, uh, Wallace was all right, but again, it just somewhat felt unnatural. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. It just felt Wait, like back up. Did, did you say Wallace was all right? Because he's Wallace my favorite part of this the movie. Best one. Wallace is like one of my favorite characters in the comic. He has like ninety percent of the best lines, especially in the first I story. I know that they made Wallace in the movie really stray in any way from the dialogue from the comic. Like maybe it's pretty, a page yeah, you're right. It's pretty spot on. Yeah, they drop out the comic. They drop out some of his jokes, which, but like I said, I've read this thing so much that, like, <laughs> the scene where Crash and the boys, they're like, here's a song for the guy up in the stands. It's called, we, you know, we hate you, we hope you die. And he's like, awesome, I love this one. The line from the comic is, sweet, a song for me, which is a much better line. Yeah. Because he's, like, supposed to be so oblivious because he's supposed to be really drunk at that point. That's oh, arguable, that's but... A, that's I, a Canadian line. They had to America it up. But, well, but Wallace is, like, just sort of being this third like place observer who can who's not directly involved with anyone's actual stake in anything just sort of drifting there making commentary is i think a lot of people's favorite part about this movie oh, having wallace. seen it with a lot of people like people were losing their shit at all of wallace's stuff like he was the real laugh line of every sequence wallace almost breaks the third wall because he's the one who like he's like you he like shows up and he's like oh here's the thing here's the skateboard here's this like i'm gonna drop the line that you're thinking in your brain right now Oh, you think he's just like he's like predicting like the like the the audience's like a little bit response to stuff interesting now, you guys both read the series, right? How yeah. do you remember? Because I don't remember him being, like, over-the-top promiscuous. Like, in this movie, he's with a different guy, like, every two or three minutes. Huh. And I, I thought, like, the scene where there's, like, the weird three-way, I was just like, wow, that's almost like a bizarre I don't commentary on gay men. That, but I do remember when he converted Stacy's boyfriend. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah, I did like that a lot. Yeah, that's a great bit, but I just felt like it, it, to me, it seemed odd, and I was like, is that supposed to be, like, an American joke? Like, you know, like, gay men have multiple partners? Like, because it just felt like every time they showed him, he was just with a different dude, and I was just like, wow, that's really weird. I I remember him having a boyfriend in the comics. That's a good question, too, because... There was a certain point in the movie where Scott woke up in the bed with him, and he was in bed with the Josh guy... And he said, oh, you're going to rag on me for not breaking up with knives, but you're with this guy. And he's like, well, I don't make the gay rules. Oh, that, yeah, says, that was a direct quote from the book. He says, tell it to Liberace's ghost, I believe. Yeah. This is like, I'm pretty line, sure that which was is in a the fun book, line. So. I don't know if it's offensive. I can't tell, but it's... Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. That the, the, three, the threesome joke, I thought was just like, I was like, wow, that's a... I don't remember huh. that in the comics. Yeah. I was just curious. Now, maybe, like I said, this might have just been me. I thought people were just a little were being like a little too over the top i you're you're not wrong some people are too over the top in this movie uh uh but and more importantly some people grab one personality trait from a character and then just hone in on that like you were saying like uh, or someone was saying like kim uh uh is like hones in on like the oh yeah you're kind of apathetic about stuff and just like absolutely like just like commits to that course which is fine because that's pretty accurate to the Kim from the comic but she doesn't have like enough lines that you get much personality out of her she sort of yeah she basically just comes off as like you're just like wow what a weird one, character yeah she's like a one line anger quip machine and I love the, the stuff she says but because she's not given that room to breathe it, it feels 
forced? I don't want to say forced, but it feels, yeah, incomplete. It felt like if they gave her more lines and made her more sympathetic and then they came out with the whole thing like, oh, like Scott used to date her and stuff. Yeah. That they would think that she was a contender as well somehow. But they already make that mistake with Knives. Yes. They don't make Knives a contender. They make her the clear winner of the, in my opinion, this movie yeah, ends. It's super it, really bizarre. Until the very I, I end. I don't enjoy that. I, I forgot about that. I was like, is she in the end of the book? I can't remember. Like, no. So it's clear already that we're not talking scene to scene here. We're talking conceptual. No, I'm just, at this fine. point, I'm just doing conceptual. That's my notes for you. this movie. I had a hard time writing notes because usually, like, we do, like, a Batman movie. You can make fun of, like, the villain's plan or, you know, you make fun of the, like, dialogue. But, like, this is a comedy where most of the dialogue is ripped from a comic that I think is perfectly written. So I'm like, I can't really make fun of stuff. I will make fun of the fact that, did you notice how many plugs were in this movie? What do you mean? Well, I mean, the movie should have been called Scott Pilgrim vs. Coke Zero. <laughs> they say it six times. I think that is intentional, though. We were talking about this. Yeah, because uh, he uh, is zero. That's the part of the number sequence of the zero. movie. I, I guess, but I mean, the fact that they can't, I mean, why, it's clearly just they got paid. Well, well, a little, yeah, but he's got the Zero shirt. Your well, yeah, but that's a reference to Smashing Pumpkins. That's the shirt he wears in the comics. It's a right. Smashing, yeah, okay. But I think it's very deliberate because he's wearing the Zero shirt. He refers to Coke Zero a lot. Somebody calls him a Zero at some point. Um, and that's because he's sort of, you he know. He's ambiguous. He's not an ex, but he's not really a boyfriend. He's in the running, but he's not an ex. So he's not part of the number sequence, the one to seven, because if you, we were like Sarah said that this had been brought up somewhere in like an article somewhere that that the 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 evil exes are numbered really specifically throughout the movie and they're like they throw these numbers around like wildly and paying attention to that when you watch the film it's the, it is so strongly there they keep calling Matthew Patel uh the one guy he keeps like making a one symbol with the, he keeps showing showing up one finger in the air um, he does like the like disco thing, like one. Yeah, the disco. Right in the yeah, air. and then the second guy, Lee. Uh, he had a two tattoo. He's got on the his two neck. tattoo. His car is a two. He keeps saying things. He's, it's going to take me two minutes to kick your ass. Uh, uh, there's a bunch well, of. Well, I mean, he oh, does have, I didn't he even does have a whole like coterie of like his like stunt guys, but at first it's just him and then the stunt guy. He, he yeah, he keeps pointing with two fingers, mm-hmm. and he keeps making threats that are like. The first thing's this, and the second thing is me kicking your ass. Like, it keeps being these, like, two-part, like, items. And then, uh, 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 I'm forgetting all the characters' names now. Um, um the third guy is, ooh, who is the third Oh, one? Dead Air. No, I don't remember the third guy, uh, what, is, what the character's name is. Uh, uh, Evan. this. Uh, uh, no, Todd. It was Todd. A- a- Envy's the, Envy boyfriend. The vegan guy. Yeah, Todd's yeah. vegan. He's got the three shirt. When he's playing bass, there's a bunch of threes coming off his guitar. I mean, it is... It is almost aggressively like symbolic now, in like throughout the whole film. So I think the Coke Zero thing was trying to like. Okay, well, then can you explain to me how Spike TV fits into this? Okay, um, hold on, uh, because uh, there is a straight up shot of a TV, <laughs> and the TV says Spike TV with the logo. <laughs> well, with sixty million dollars on an indie comic, you gotta you gotta make up that money somewhere. Well, they also made it up from liquid lumber or er, lumber liquidators. What? There was a there's a scene when he's laying up against the refrigerator talking to Wallace that there's just like this weird magnet that very clearly is in like 100% focus and says liquid lumber or lumber liquidators. And I was like, wow, what a weird product placement. That. That's so weird. There's one other one. I can't find it in these notes I wrote because 
my handwriting is garbage. Really yeah, oh, it's so bad. I can't even tell what one of these words is. Okay, but anyways, uh, speaking of weird things, did you notice the Seinfeld reference? Yeah, it's a huge reference. The, the it goes it, on forever. The transition when music he, like, and runs in and the then door. the yeah, and then the laugh track. What was that? That that has nothing to do with the comic. Uh, it's an odd choice. I don't know if I hate it, but it is. It, it stands out. It does remind me of Thirty Rock when they were talking to Seinfeld. To Seinfeld, yeah, about the fact that they like owned him and they could use his stuff in anything, <laughs> and he can't say anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe that was true. part of it. I, but yeah, it is odd because it, it's just him coming back to the apartment. It. It's, well, I mean, it's not... I guess he got to second and a half base. How does that quite Seinfeld? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just I like, I don't. Promiscuous. I I just I just thought it was Poor a George, very but... bizarre like reference that really, especially since the movie very clearly states that it's in Canada too. I was like, odd to reference a really popular American TV show. Like, is that is it was Seinfeld super big in Canada? Yeah, like, I just couldn't figure out well, what the, the joke was movie for. Movie was set in Canada, but I don't feel like it was for. Well, Canadian. but you know, I mean, I just felt like That's a true. weird thing, I guess, to include to me. I was just like, I don't get it. Well, I think there's two emblematic problems with the film. One is that they crammed six books into an hour and fifty yes. minutes, which is a hard to do, and it's very prevalent in the first act because it's just this jumbled, aggressively. They kept, they kept some curious scenes in. <laughs> Yeah. That I thought really should have just been removed. But the other scene is the problem with, you know, when you're making a Batman or a Spider-Man movie, you have a stack of work, of, of, of comics to work with, and you can pick and choose and piece together your own film. When you're doing this movie, like the Watchmen movie, you you either have to do your take on it or you have to go shot by shot. And it seems like Edgar Wright was not sure which thing to do because there's times like that moment right there and many other times where he clearly took his own direction and other times where you know for five minutes it's a one-to-one of the comic so it's almost like two people's works are written into like one medium which makes it to me kind of jumbled yeah it like the scene where they go on the date and they meet it is like shot for shot from the comic (laughs) yeah it is but then there's just really weird changes that i'm just like i like the whole scene where they go and play the weird dancing game that's like a martial arts game mm-hmm. yeah I'm that's just like that scene's just there for the nega scott moment at the end and i'm just like that scene really didn't need to be there like it's just taking up space that they should have used for something else well here's my problem because i agree with you that it, it 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 feels misplaced and they probably could have done a better job with it with with balancing their dynamic but the thing is I like Edgar Wright and I like Brian Lee O'Malley. So even if it is like a jumbled assembly of their two works, I like all of the individual pieces. So I feel so conflicted on how to like react to this movie because the like individual scenes I like a ton, but the whole piece just doesn't like, I don't know, it doesn't gel. I don't know. Maybe they included all the knife stuff like for the same reason that, you know, in every like really good book that has a dog in it, the dog's going to die. Right. Knives is kind of the cute puppy in this book <laughs> slash movie. <laughs> Wait, to what, to, what, to what effect to the reader, though? Um, they felt really bad for Knives. In, like, they didn't want her to quote-unquote die, so they had to bring her back and show her like as winning and like give her like a starring role. But she doesn't win, though. She does win because she... I feel like Scott, in the movie, not in the books... Was not in the books at all, as you know, folks. 
in the movie, Scott would have gone along with her. Like, he can clearly tell that. He's like, oh, Ramona's left. I'm just going to go off with knives now. And she's like, no, you go with her. It does feel like that's where the movie's taking you. So. I, I got to admit, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording. The, the, this is a point that you brought up before on a previous podcast, Pogues, that, that the movie seems to guide you into the idea that Knives is going to be the sort of, like, the, the person for Scott. And then it's not. Yeah, and, I, like, going back and rereading the, the last book last night, they do a much better job. Like, it, the reason he stays with Ramona makes way more sense in the comics, and it feels like they're both, you know... In that comic, it, you realize that, like, all of Scott's memories, he's kind of just waxed over the stuff that was his fault. So everything that's happened in his life... himself seem more powerful and... Yeah, and so he better. really... Yeah, and he realizes at the end that, like, a lot of the things he did, they were his fault. And he just never owned up to it, and that's why blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you've got Ramona saying she's just afraid to stay with somebody because it's just easier to leave than to have to deal with stuff and all this. So it makes more sense at the end of that that they're together. And Knives basically is like, I'm going to college, I'm over you. It's, you know, at this, it's just like, she basically is like, well, I'd like to keep dating you, but I think you're just going to go out with me because you think Ramona's leaving, so I don't want to go out with you. And it's just like, well, that's not, I mean, it's true, but I'm like, that's sort of a bummer for her. Also, the Gideon fight sequence, Knives is an integral part of the fight. That yeah, she basically helps him win, while Ramona spends a lot of it just watching. And falling downstairs. And having yeah. heaving breasts. <laughs> yeah, and having heaving breasts. Those are some heavers. <laughs> Don't call them heavers. No, I allow it. Call call them heavers. All right, if anyone's listening, can we get a t-shirt made up? I want I want a little, like, cartoon face of Pogues. <laughs> just this, them or some heavers. It's just, it just, like, breeze of the cross, like, love, heavers. Oh, like the, like the knives. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Just, like, cloudy this. letters coming out of Pogues' mouth. Heavers. <laughs> love it. Perfect. Love it. But no. Get those printed. I know what you're saying. I was talking to Sarah about this because you have a, a movie, a, a contained movie and a contained book series are very different things. You can spend some time on a character like Knives in the books and then change directions because you have six books to work with. But with a movie, if you spend the first act all focused on one character and then shift gears, the movie audience is going to be like, where does that character go? That character is still relevant. Like, we need yeah, to... Yeah, see, I think... She, she it's die? Chekhov's gun. Did it's, she die in the end? It's or? Chekhov's knife. You, you, need to, no. you need to, like... If you're going to introduce this character, it has to have a payoff at the end. Oh. And then it seems like there's going to be a payoff because... In this final sequence, this boss fight, Knives is right there. They go into, like, what's two-player mode? Is it yes. on screen? Like, they're like, we're together, we're a team. And then they beat everything, and then she's just like, go be with Ramona, because she's the yeah. protagonist well, of she, she <laughs> she's the female She does what Scott character. never could do. She grows up and That's true. On. But the movie doesn't really tell you that. That's well, just kind of what happens. it conveys it through picture words oh, oh, i'm sorry did <laughs> you just is... describe a movie as picture words <laughs> well in her defense a picture is worth a thousand words so <laughs> I, I, well I, i'm so happy to be this on well, this, pic- this picture words ma- podcast that's how we teach the masses then through picture words <laughs> <laughs> but you get where i'm coming from right like knives seems like she's this super relevant character mm-hmm. only at the beginning and the end and she's not well, can we talk about knives for a while too? We, we are now. Well, like just like her, like 
arc throughout the movie slash book, like which yeah. folks you will have to fill in. I'm sorry because I only read the Wikipedia synopses of all the books. Oh. I could not find our actual books yeah, for Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but so she goes through like she like matures a lot throughout the movie. At least she starts off as like the 17 year old little girl, and then she meets Kim Pine, and then she turns into Kim Pine for a while. Yeah, and Sarah. Then, uh, sorry, Sarah pointed this out. I didn't notice how much she aggressively dresses which, like Kim. She yeah, which is in the comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about that. And then she, I can't remember if this is in the comic as well, but I feel it is. But it's black and white. She meets Ramona and then like does the Ramona thing for mm-hmm. a while and then yeah. she like gets bitter and then turns into like knives knives but see here's the problem with the way they did it in the movie in the book she comes to fight Ramona in like the third yeah. I think in the third book mm-hmm. yeah so then in the rest of the series she's gradually maturing she doesn't she doesn't mind that Scott and her aren't together she still likes him but you know she's like sort of coming to terms with her first pseudo relationship in the movie that scene's put at the very end so it's just like she matures in like 12 seconds because she shows up at the end she wants to fight Ramona because no, 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 no. When she the shows date. up, she says, you broke his heart, and she attacks Ramona the first time. When Scott gets his second life, he stops her, and then they fight Gideon together. Well, yeah, they do that, but I feel like she also, they, <laughs> it's a movie, it's like a less than two hour movie, so they don't do it super well, but they do show it a little bit when she's walking through the Katayanagi twins, <laughs> like, oh, shut up, you idiot cats. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot to say, guys. Uh, third co-host is here. Actually, it's, uh, it's a new co-host. That's our other cat. Luna! Stupid-ass Luna. When, when they're doing the Katayanagi battle and, um, like, the base battle thing, and this is this is when this happens, right? Like, they she this is, like, the last time that he sees Ramona in the crowd, and she has the green hair. And he goes out to find her, and Knives is there. And she sees him at that point, and she has a little teary-eyed like, look on her face. But she's like, hey, I just wanted to come see you play. Go get her. Yeah, at the, Go at, get her, guy. Yeah. The Cotton Yagi fight? And then chucks, chucks him under the chin a little bit. Go get him. At the Cotton Yagi fight, you're right. It, it, she she shows up, and she's... Com- <laughs> just keep going. Yes. She's she's completely like like, oh, hey, I just wanted to come see you play. It feels as if she's matured past it and she's just like yeah i'm over trying but to then it's deal. weird she shows up at the end yeah exactly like, i want to that's what i mean is i think it she tried to fight ramona earlier and then at the end really i just think for the movie they should have really minimized her character yeah it, they, they brought her really heavily to the forefront and the book doesn't the book does not i mean she has a decent they, part right? but but again it's a book like you said it's six volumes so you know she can be in each volume and not be the star it feels like in this, she's the third main character. But I mean, if they didn't let Knives be in there fighting at the end, then they would have had to make Ramona not be like a sex slave at the end as well. So, womp, womp, womp. Which is, which I found interesting when I went back and read the book last night. She is the catalyst for destroying Gideon. She actually wins the fight. Scott gets repeatedly wounded. 
And she all of a sudden is like, you know, she sort of comes to terms to be like, I don't need him in my, I don't need Gideon anymore. And she actually has like the badass, I'm going to fight him moment. Yeah, because this whole thing. And they take that from her in the movie. I, and that's where I just think it's weird. That Gideon fight sequence is very confusing because this whole, this whole movie, this whole concept is just a gigantic analogy for dealing with your emotional like relationship baggage. So, you know, the analogy of the person who can't get over the last person they dated to date someone new, and that's the toughest person, that's their boss fight, is to get over their last relationship that was really intense. That makes sense. And for her to get involved, and I believe Scott and uh, Ramona finish him with like that like, like Final Fantasy X maneuver, that, 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 that checks in with the analogy. But Knives being there and like helping, it, it doesn't, suddenly the analogy doesn't work. Like what, what does that mean? Like Knives helps Scott defeat the ex for Ramona so she can get over the guy. It's absolutely bonkers. It doesn't, it doesn't check in with the, the whole system anymore. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I just, to me in this movie, I don't know. That's the problem I have with the film that kind of bums me out is I just feel like they, they spend too much time with knives. She's a great character and I like her, but I just think for the movie, she should have been minimized because so many other characters are completely minimized. Like, Kim and Steven Steele stills really don't need to be in the movie in a lot of ways. They're just they're just like you said, they're like what? one line gag bits. What? Like they're just there for those jokes. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> she's she's a big fan of Kim. I don't think she appreciates that. Me no, I Steven's the talent. But I'm saying in the movie I'm saying in the movie they're not given anything to do. Yeah. They're the They're members. great characters and they should have had more to do in the movie, and I feel like all that's from time constraints and had they just cut back the knife story, they could have added in more stuff. Because they don't really address the Kim-Scott relationship really at all. It's just yeah, but glossed all that's, over. That's all, like, flashbacks. I feel like flashbacks are even harder to follow than made-up shit in movies oftentimes. You should have seen the Batman Begins film. We talked about that last time. Flashbacks were a mess in I, that film. I did watch that movie. Um, I watched that with you. Yeah, I know. And it was rife with them, but, I but, will say. But in this one, I think what... I kind of agree with Pogues here. What they're missing is is there's a lot of, like, camaraderie between the band members in the book. Like, yeah, they sort of, like, shit on Scott for dating a high school girl, and Kim is especially, like, uh, like Kurt with him. But there's definitely a friendship there in the book that you can see. It does not feel like they're friends in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it feels it like... It just feels like they're band members. Well, yeah, it feels they like they hate They should have done him. at least one flashback, like, to, like, show, like, but, how they all met. Yeah, and, not even a flashback, it's, though. It's, as the book is, like it's super complicated. Sure, so it's. I just mean any made, scene. Like a three-hour movie, I don't see how it would happen. I just mean any scene where they're just hanging out, you know, where they're just like like talking at length more, and not just talking about how stupid Scott is and how much they hate him, because that seems like most yeah. of the conversation. I don't think they hate him. I think they think he's stupid. I and... also don't think they hate him, but I think the movie pitches that that idea. I was gonna say the the scene at the very beginning where they're after Knife shows up and leaves. And they're all up in young Neil's room and they're sitting on the bed. And Kim says that thing about, like, do you have ulterior motives? And he's like, I'm hurt. In the comic, that scene, like, feels way different because he's smiling. And Stephen Steele's actually says, uh, like, he's like, oh, I'm wounded even. And, you know, it's like a joke. And they're both smiling. And Kim sort of, like, has, like, a look where she's like, you know, they're just being dicks. In the movie, she seems so deadpan that it seems like she's legitimately, like, are you an evil person? Yeah. Yeah. No. And he and his like reaction is not like a joke where he's like, I'm hurt. It's almost just like he's like it, it's like he's deadpan too. I love Alison Pill. Please don't 
chastise her for no, her I acting. No, I think she's great. Well, I'm not necessarily sure it's but even no, her fault. But no, her, she probably was just told, like, just be a bitch the entire time. Yeah. Well, that's, I feel like a lot of people were told to be like, all right, here's your character, uh, Kim, you're really apathetic, and we want you to be—we want you to play it real deadpan. Uh, Steven Stills, you're like going to be like the zany sidekick for the little bit you're in it. Like it just feels like some people got notes. Like I like—I <laughs> really like Aubrey Plaza. I don't think she's that good in this movie. I, I feel like, like everything she says is unnatural. Roles almost like I, yeah, it's and just I, like I her like, first big role actually. I, I did like her coffee shop coffee shop sequence yeah. with the cursing. Fuck was, you! See, that's the Fuck that's you. the one I dislike. This is for Fuck Pilgrim. I, I don't know. I, I did like that part, <laughs> but yeah, I just felt me? like. Do you think? You, do you have think? To bleep me. Real quick, real quick moment. Do Do you think she's saying Fuck Pilgrim or like shit Pilgrim? This is for Fuck Pilgrim. I mean, yeah, that's what I assumed. All right, fair enough. Or, I mean, like cock pilgrim, maybe. But... <laughs> let's, let's keep trying these. Uh, uh... Well, I mean, cock pilgrim makes him sound like cock he's pilgrim. like some sort of weird Sheep religion towards penis. Yeah, pilgrim. or some sort of porn A- star ass version. Pilgrim? Ass pilgrim. Twat pilgrim. Twat, pil- <laughs> Twat pilgrim. I think that's it. I think we found it. they would in America. But yeah, I feel like. I think you definitely nailed it there. It seems like like some characters got a more in depth description or idea of their character and some people just had kind of like points to hit like like character like notes uh, because there's definitely a nuance to kim that's lost as much as i find her lines funny and i find her i love allison pill playing it it does feel like there's some nuance lost yeah, there she she did have more of a like oh you're a fucking idiot asshole but i still like you buddy yeah in the feel book to her character in the book yeah yeah yeah, I'm I just like, nudged her with my elbow. Yeah, if you couldn't see through the radio. What do you, what do you mean if you couldn't? <laughs> you think somebody can? You can't. She doesn't. She doesn't want to rule what out is radio. Sarah's Amish, by the way. I don't know if I brought that up. <clears throat> um, radio doesn't mean TV. <laughs> a podcast is like a video, right? <laughs> they're they're all in the room with us right now. Yeah. Hey, oh, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, Ill-advised guest. I was waiting to you. Why didn't you wait I, back? <laughs> I did. Wow, that's offensive. It's just like you pretend like you didn't meet me. I have notes that I don't know what the hell they mean. Well, here, let's... I, can, <laughs> I have a I, note that just says, boyfriend included is weird. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? I have no idea. Um, I, I, I can shift notes to something, which is the music. So this is something that they couldn't take from the comic. They had to invent for the for the movie, obviously. Uh, technically, there's one song in the comic, which they do not play at any point during the movie, which I thought was weird. Wait, is... Oh shit! I'm I'm really in off. the very first comic. There is not only a song they sing. There's chords with it. That's right. You're right. There is. There are and they did not record that song for well, some reason. That's fair. Uh, is Scott O'Malley a songwriter? Brian Lee O'Malley. Yes. Whatever. Yes, he is. He has a band called uh, Cupac. Huh. It's, some of his stuff's okay. Some of it's kind of crappy. It's exactly the type of music you would think he would make. I didn't know that, but. Yeah, what you is, can download most of his albums for free off of his website. Or used to be able to. What is your take on the songs that the band plays in this film? Uh, one, it feels like there's only one song, and it just has different lyrics each time they play it. Because <laughs> they both, they, but there's only two of them, I think, and they sound very identical. But isn't that perfect, though, for their ba- their shitty band to have... I guess. Uh, the Garbage Truck song, I don't exactly understand what's going on there. See, that's the thing I, I love I, that song. You shut your it's great song. Shut your stupid mouth. Here's what I, I think. Didn't Beck write the songs yes, for this Beck, movie? Beck composed and wrote a lot of the music. Um, I think their music fucking nailed it. The the uh, the custom songs they made for the Babam band because 
like it's got that really grainy sort of like overtuned undertuned guitar sound through shitty amps uh uh, 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 uh over volume bass you know like tinny yeah. tinny drums and then like the lyrics are either barely there like their first opener song i can't remember the name of it it's like three words and then bunch pad McQuash, yeah. which is not the actual name of the song <laughs> And then Garbage Truck is just kind of it's it's goofy, it it's a little stupid, but it's kind of charming. And then um uh uh Frequency or whatever the last song is is basically just one long guitar solo. It it's exactly what I would expect out of their band. It's all really unrehearsed and kind of loose and wild. And what I really like about it is um if any of it was like too poetic or insightful, it would not fit the book because that would just be so wrong for them to have these really poignant you know songs so the fact that they're kind of like shitty like thought of it on the way over songs i think it's perfect i really think they nailed it with that music i did appreciate too uh just to show continuing how obsessed i was with this comic book uh the first music cue when they're walking up to scott's apartment the music cue that they play is actually the song Scott Pilgrim by Plumtree, which is where the character gets his Oh, name. yeah, I didn't catch that. That's good. So I thought that was cool that they inserted that. I like that they got the ability for him to wear the Plumtree shirt that he wears uh, often in the comics and through a huge portion of the first book. Yep. They did some cool stuff, you know, and I, I did like a lot of the music cues they picked. I thought they did a good job of picking the kind of music that fit the, the mode. I did not get why we had to, the weird... Uh, Clash of Demon Head song? The the metric uh, uh, Black song. Sheep song? That's- yeah, I just was confused, really, like, why we listened to the like a good chunk of it. I, I don't know. I, I think it worked. I mean, I, I think they needed to pick a band that sounded like they were going to be a band that made it. So, the fact that they... Oh, the song's fine. I have no problem. I just thought that, that like, that scene, I was like, wow, they're really going to have us... I don't remember them, like, making us watch them perform, but I guess... It probably would have been disjointed and weird if they'd cut it off at, like, like, oh, you've heard five seconds. Done. I guess you're right. Yeah, that would have been very jarring. <laughs> That's true. You win this round, Sarah. <laughs> I win every round. Um, well, try to remember that we did this podcast together next time Ben asked if you've met me. <laughs> no, who's... Who's Pokes? Well, I know you won't listen to it, so you'll forget probably that you're even on it. Ben, where am I? <laughs> so I have, I have a question. I feel yes. polarized about this. How do you feel about Jason Schwartzman in this movie? I, I don't like him. No? I love him. Uh, yeah, sure. I think he's pretty great in most things I see. How do you feel about him in this movie, though, Sarah? I love him because he's skeezy. He, oh, yeah, he does feel skeezy. He does feel inherently skeezy. There's something overacted about his performance in this one, though. Well, I think well, a lot of people. You want him to be. You want him to be overactive. You want him to feel short and like kind of greasy feeling. Like you want him to be like the antithesis to Scott Pilgrim. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I can see that. But, but then, I mean, if he's supposed to be the antithesis, shouldn't he be like really cool and put together, really <laughs> hip? really competent which is the way he is portrayed in the comics he's like this mogul and this i i don't know he just seemed like a i don't feel like moguls are generally like really cool put together people i feel like they're well like, mark zuckerberg is offended i feel like they're <laughs> in like when you portray them like in like pop culture they're generally like they're very put together and they like have their shit together but they're kind of greasy and like misogynistic and they would put their girlfriend as a sex slave at their feet so 
Yeah. Can we talk? Also, about- wait. I have a question. Are you trying to tell me you don't think Bill Gates is a cool dresser? Is that what I'm hearing? And you're saying he doesn't have a sex slave? <laughs> and you're right. you're saying Warren Buffett it's, isn't him? It's his, Forget it's it. It's not his wife. <laughs> I, and one thing I, that that felt so odd to me, there was actually two moments that really like felt really strange to me in this movie, and both of them are pretty much from the comic. Is this sequence with with Ramon is basically like a like a pet, like sitting at his feet, and like and I get, I get, I get what the intention was. I get that. Yes, here's the important difference in the comic. That's only in her head. Like, oh yeah, she, you're right. She but has this. Scott like, also goes into her head and sees it, and that's why she yes. gets so pissed at him. Yeah, yeah, and that's supposed to be like in her mind. That's her attachment to Gideon that she can't get away from. He never actually does that in the comic. She actually just leaves. She leaves at the end of yeah, book five. You're right. She leaves and goes to her dad. I like that way more because that's because that sequence in reality is creepy as fuck. It's it, well, it's also like makes her really unlikable that she leaves Scott for this douchebag there's no redeeming point to her like in the comic you're like oh she left because she's just like scott she can't deal with stuff scott makes up this alternate reality she just runs away those are their defense mechanisms and they're very much alike and in the in the movie you're just like what a bitch she dumped him yeah and 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 seeing like in reality a pillar of like a pyramid pillar with jason schwartzman petting a woman at his feet it's really fucking unsettling (laughs) Like, yeah, I definitely would not want to go to that club. I would yeah. walk in and be like, ooh, let's leave. Is that get Jason Schwartzman? <laughs> Why is he petting that woman? Um, the other sequence that stuck out as odd, and again, it's from the comic, is is Roxy's uh, weak point. Oh, her knee. That is, the back of that her is knee. actually Envy's weak point in the comic. Oh, yeah. Because she starts attacking Ramona, and Scott can't fight her, and he says touch the back of her knee and she it, later she says how'd you know that would work and he said well we used to make out and she says she doesn't want to hear it yeah it, it's pretty weird in this one because I, in this one it's super weird because he, he pauses and basically like there's like an orgasm explosion and she dies she dies from coming which i was like <laughs> yeah i was like i guess that's a way to go that's what happened it's it's pretty bizarre also in don't like it in the comic doesn't 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 she like turn into like woodland creatures sort of like a sonic say i don't remember exactly what happens when she dies he won't fight her because he doesn't want to fight a girl and at the end he decides that he has to fight his own battle and he's going to defend ramona and that's when he gets the power of love sword and he actually beats her by fighting her in a real fight that's right he doesn't like you know make her jizz herself to death or something <laughs> also doesn't doesn't she doesn't roxy fight uh knives dad at some point who's not in this film at all which is fine because it's, a, it's yes, yes she does fight him because yeah there's there's a whole lot going on I, in that I, I think i'm quite content with them cutting that because it's uh, <laughs> it's unnecessary to jam that into this story so but uh yeah that definitely was a difference that that sarah pointed out yeah there's also like in the comic there's a weird scene where uh Kim and Knives make out, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. There's a bunch of weird stuff in the in the comic that I was okay with them taking out. Yeah. Also, I'm just jumping around now. Of course I am. But but uh, Kyle and Ken uh, Katniagi, uh, they don't speak, do they? In this movie? No, they didn't want to pay the Asian guys residuals because <laughs> they just show up in bad wigs and then they get destroyed. I, I can't remember, Pokes. What what is? Do they? have a bigger role in the comics it's not a huge role they kidnap ramona 
at the end and Scott goes to rescue her it's it's there that's when to me the comic I was like wow this is really getting weird because it's they're like so out of the loop of like the other exes like the way their stories work I found it just kind of weird and I think they I don't know I want to say one of them's a robot but I don't remember because I like I said I only read that book maybe three or four times so I'll have to go back and find that out for the mini I remember the whole like thing with them was that at this time oh wait they Ro- kidnapped kim i think yeah kim gets kidnapped ramona finds out from knives that scott was cheating on both of them at the same time instead of at the very end yes and, that's right and then and that's why she leaves and then scott also finds out that she was cheating on both of the twins at the same time which yeah he also i finds find out that infinitely creepier by the way she also finds no, that especially might if one of them is a robot. I might make up the robot part. Don't don't quote me on that. That might just be me being like Asian twins. One of them is this your, a robot. Is this your fantasy? <laughs> yeah. You're, Whenever you're I see Asian two Asian twin, twins, I'm fantasy. like one of them's a fucking robot. We've seen your DeviantArt pokes. Don't worry. Yeah, like I just assume everything's an episode of Ultraman. <laughs> uh, or the sweet Spider-Man Japanese. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm, I don't remember. Well, yeah, I'll have to go back and look at that, that novel. I don't really remember what happens. But no, like, at the same time, like, not Cause at the leaves, same exact time, but, like, in the same, like, book, at least, um, Knives tells Ramona that Scott was, like, with both of them technically at the same time. And then Scott also finds out that that's what Ramona was doing with the twins. Yeah, I think she's dating them both at the same time, but, like... Not like, not like you know, three ways, but like. I always wonder: know. is that creepy or is that just like? Eh. I think I it's creepy. Know. I never understood the twins thing. I'm like, yeah, I want to have like an incest thing, but I want to be there too. Like, eh. oh no, not a threesome, but like, oh, like oh. you are with both of them separately. Like, maybe you didn't know. Is that how it is? Maybe you didn't I mean, know. If you, did, if you didn't know, you want to hear? I there was two dudes who went to write to stay at the same time I did, and that was their thing. They wanted girls that would sleep with both of them at the same time. It's super fucking awful. gross, man. Oh, uh, it, cre- it creeps me There's nothing the fuck out. cool. That's always like a like a like a like a cliche in like porn and shit. Well, it's no, always it's, like, oh, it's yeah, twins. Dudes, it's like it's not it's, cool. Like, like a dude wants to have sex gross. with two like twin ladies. Like what two twin ladies would ever consent to it's, sex with her identical twin? It's really gross. <laughs> I, it's got it's got to have happened somewhere. I don't understand. People are the worst. So I have a new angle to discuss. Also, I saw a, midi- a video of it. Anyways, Game of Thrones, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. I got a new angle on all this to talk about too. What do you think of the fight sequences? Uh, you got uh, Patel sequence. You got your Gideon sequence. You got uh, uh, I guess technically the Katniagi like you know. That was the worst one. That was just kind of like shoved in there because they're like, hey. I don't know. I like the music as like a, a, an energy to fight with concept. I think that's yeah, really but cool. it's it ends real quick. It does. It's it, very short. It's the shortest fight of all of them, and it has two of them like in one go. I thought the Gideon fight sequence was cool as fuck. The actual moments with the, the, the lat one, yeah, and when he's fighting the I did like the, the group of people. Yeah, he, like had to get sword. like his like extra life and like he had to go back in again and like start i do like when he walks up to that guy at the door and he says your hair stupid and he just poofs into coins like it doesn't even hit him <laughs> he just like completely disappears there's some real charming moments in this movie but i thought the fight was, fight sequences were fucking awesome i really like the patel sequence at the beginning although the hipster chicks don't translate well to film those are weird yeah that was creepy uh, i did not i, I went back and looked like and i 
in the comic. Can you pull, pull they're, that They're, they're in the comic, yeah. Well, I mean... I don't remember them having demon vampire faces. They kind of do. They're like they have the te- I feel like they're more like... I thought they just had bat wings. They were... I think they had the teeth. I feel like they're more like... Uh, Cartoon little teeth. cutie pie, like oh, I'm a little demon. Eh. Yeah, they, they, yeah. I do remember them saying that. They, they got sort of a demon vibe going on. I, I can verify. I, I just too. I, I guess that scene doesn't translate well, or maybe it was just the way they did it. I found like the weird Bollywood attempt, like really, really poorly done. Yeah, yeah. I know it didn't, and, and mildly offensive. It didn't feel like Bollywood, and it didn't seem necessary. And yeah, I, I'm with you on that. That was yeah. that yeah. fight scene. works for a while too, like until that moment, you know. I feel I like know. that was the worst fight scene because <sighs> the weird Bollywood attempt, and then the creepy, sexy ladies floating around him like accoutrement, if yeah. you will. Um, and. I don't know. I do like that they kept the line where someone comments on his outfit looking like pirates, and he just talks about how pirates are in this season. I always appreciate that. I also like that they include Wallace yelling, look out, after he's already in the fight. Yeah, he does that again with with Lucas Lee. This is why Wallace uh, is my favorite character. I think Jared McCauley totally pulled it off. Yeah, I I wish that they had done more of his jokes, because they're pretty great. Uh... But yeah, the fights overall, I actually have a note that says the fights are lame. The girl fight is really lame because I forgot her name when I was... Come on, Roxy. I thought they were pretty good, frankly. Uh, The fight at the end I thought was good, but the ones preceding it... Her? 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 Um, uh, If you're not getting the reference, that's a reference to Arrested Development because that is Anne from... May Whitman. May Whitman. Um, Egg? Egg? As, as, that's her. She's as really funny. As oh, the let's egg hope. on your face. As, pl- as plain as the egg on Anne's face. Uh, I uh, yeah, the Patel sequence is like hit, like touch and go here and there. But when they really like lean into like the the fighting game motif and like the sound effects and like the the speed lines and like the punching and hitting, I'm like, man, I wish there was more of this in the movie. I really do kind of love it. Yeah, I, I I liked that they included a lot of that stuff, but they also. I guess there's no reason to explain it, but, like, it is sort of weird that they're just like, all right, Scott's really good at fighting. I, I made that same point. Like, Scott's, Scott felt a little tougher, or at least more well-rounded in the comic. He's got that heavy, heavy Michael Sarah like goofiness. Can, can I break in here? Sure, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> you don't have to keep asking. <laughs> well, you got. It's very polite, but. Pokes, do you think Michael Sarah was a good choice, or do you, who would you have cast yourself? his place here's the problem i have i can't think of anybody better but i don't like him in this movie that's fair that's fair to say i like there's parts of him that i think he he gets but he's too michael Sarah. i feel like he should have like lifted a few weights to begin with like he's too he's a little too like skinny (laughs) that is true i'll go with my point was like like kim he hits one note of scott's personality really hard which is the sort of aloof I don't know, I can't make decisions, I'm a decisive, like, thing. Which is an important component, because as we discussed, this whole, like, fantasy is a problem with Scott not committing to reality. But in the movie, it's just like he's the most, like, weak-willed, soft person on the planet. And so, yeah, when he suddenly starts doing cartwheel flips and punching men through the ceiling, you're like, huh, what's this all about? Well, I mean, he's weak-willed in his choices with women, but when it comes to his own, like 
security and, like, fucking staying alive. Like, he didn't know that he was in any danger to have anything to do with, like, the chick he was seeing, like, in the first fight. Like, that was just, like, self-preservation. But I think what you're saying is the intention of the character, maybe not how they actually delivered it in the film. Mm. Would you agree? No, like... He's, like, kind of, like, a, like, I'm a little wafty, like, man boy, and I'm dating, like, this high schooler, and then now I'm going to, like, fall in love with this Amazon, like, package deliverer person, and then, like, someone tries to, like, attack him for no reason, he's like, ha, ha, ha. But you you, you didn't find that that turn weird at all in the film, when he suddenly becomes, like, competent fighter? You can be, like, a certain way in your everyday life, and then when you like, deal with someone that you're romantically interested in, you, like, completely, like, turn into a different person. Oh, interesting. That's a thing that can happen. Huh. Hmm. Really makes you wonder about your guys' relationship. It sure does. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let me That's ask it. you, Sarah. You're a big fan of Michael Sarah. Oh, yeah. As you, you told us at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> did you think he was good, or do you think they should have cast somebody else? No, I think he was good. I think maybe he didn't get this the right amount of direction, perhaps. Because this was very early on in his career as well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, was was he still in Arrested Development at this point? Or was no, it no. right after? Far, far, far past it. Yeah, I can't imagine it was, like, very many years after Arrested Development. And that was his first role. This I is post-Superbad, I want to say. Right? It's it's post-Superbad, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Pre-nothing. Pre yeah. like no movies because I don't know what he's done since then. No, he's he's a good actor. I feel like he. I like him. Yeah, he has like good range within like a certain range. Uh, it would have been six years, five or six years after Arrested Development ended. Okay, mm-hmm. hmm. and he was probably in that when he was like super young. Like he's thirty eight now. He's, he's thirty eight. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, he was born in 1988, so... You blew both our minds for a minute. <laughs> that would make him, what, 27? Okay, that's oh, yeah. fair. I thought he was younger than me. <laughs> Joe Bates. So in 2003, he would have been, yeah, like 15. <sighs> yeah, he was he was super young when he started his acting career, so like... Yeah, so he actually was probably about 23 when he made Scott Pilgrim. 22, 23. So the age of Scott Pilgrim. So I've got a good kind of wrap-up question here as we as we, as we near the end. Is uh, I refer to this as a romantic, like, comedy kind of film. Or, yeah. or at least a film about a romance. And Sarah made an interesting point to disagree with me on that. No, it is not a romance. At all. At all. Because your definition was that a, roman- a romantic film... No, 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 Let me tell Okay, alright. <laughs> a romantic... I don't know if you guys have ever watched one. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what? No, I've never seen Serendipity. Well, yeah, it. whatever. It's all well, what Die Hard, right, man? It's all Die Hard and like fucking. Yeah, unless there's tits in it, I don't watch it. Fuck ever. When's the next Fast and the Furious coming out? Yeah, we're Fast and the Furious oh. 27. Yeah. Wait, are they on 27? Huh? Yeah, they're in space. Okay, um, awesome. But a romance movie is all about the build-up. Like, oh, you're with someone else who's stupid and awful, and then you want... Which is kind of the beginning of this movie, but not really. The first 15 minutes. But then, like, the build-up is you, like, winning them over, and then, oh, no, you can't be together, and, oh, no, you get back together, and, oh, and then you live happily ever after. This but there movie, is that in, the, in this movie. Slightly, but this movie is kind of... What happens afterwards? Like, what happens after, like, Cinderella gets, like, the prince? Like a relationship movie. 
Yeah, this is like a real relationship. This is like when you start dating someone new and you inherit, like, oh, like, how many people have you slept with? Oh, 85. Like, <laughs> give me the list of all the 85 people you've slept with so I can, like, know who the fuck I'm talking to next time. Sarah, is this an autobiographical number you picked? Or... <laughs> and why did you have to sleep with 85 people? <laughs> yeah, it's me. I, I'm the first to sleep with 85 people. I've only... Somehow... <laughs> Yeah, so it was a real contentious point for us when we started dating. Um, but one thing I pointed out when we were watching this that I liked a lot is after the or around the Roxy sequence, like Scott says, "Can I just get a list of all the exes so I know what's coming?" And and that's sort of a way for them to reference that, even though this is obviously fantastical and there's people punching each other into coins kind of reference how this is sort of still all just an analogy because she's really offended by that idea like oh let me just write it all down for you but that's a real thing too and, and you get offended and like oh so i just met your ex and i didn't know that that was your ex like who else have you dated that i knew yeah the responses from her is sort of like fuck you i don't owe you a list of everyone i've been with that's not how this works and i like how they kept like even though this that you're just like you're playing the whole movie inside this analogy I do like that they stick to the, like, you can't just ask me for that. That's so horrible. That's so offensive. Like, I like that they kind of stuck to that, even though she does anyway. <laughs> so you never asked Sarah for a list? No, no I, yeah, I made sure it was laminated, uh, and I wanted addresses and names and forwarding addresses. Well, I mean, judging by her memory of meeting people, I don't know how much you can assume that list is correct. <laughs> it's, it's not 83. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Ugh. Uh, <laughs> Now then, uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Uh, I'm trying to look through my notes. No, I really hit all my points about the film. I, I'm i really stuck on Sarah's question about who I would have casted. Because I, I, the thing, the problem I have watching this movie again is I realize it felt to me like everybody did pick one characteristic trait of their character and just went with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one has a nuanced performance. And I feel like the, all these actors were like, it's a comic book. It's supposed to be, you know, it's like... It's real meta, you know, they think you know, it like takes place where there's like a video game, people explode into coins, and like, let's just all play it up. And I feel like that was to the movie's detriment. I think if people had just acted like they would have in a normal comedy, I think the movie could have been, would have been more natural and better. I, I honestly think you're right. I, I really think you are correct. They, they really, the, the way like early comic book movies, the characters playing like Batman and Superman were always like up to 11 like tuning up these characters to be these grandiose kind of things i think that kind of vibe got crept into this movie i also feel like this was kind of like a new comic book movie because there were comic book movies that weren't like superhero movies yeah indie stuff yeah but that was like ghost world and this yeah scott pilgrim doesn't really speak to ghost world in the same sense like because you still have that aspect of like superhero-ness in it and i feel like maybe whoever was, like, doing the directing, like, was slightly confused about that. Like, oh, when they're not punching people into coins, they should act like normal humans. And they, But they don't. And see, that's what, I, I wonder how much, because if you watch any of other Edgar Wright stuff, it's, it's great. He gets great performances from people. He's a great director. I love his movies. I mean, I've watched, I'll watch Hot Fuzz. Oh, my God. Eat. Top five for me, Hot Fuzz. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, it's perfect. It's got a serious tone, so I, I wonder well, if it was the director, if it was 
I mean, with $60 million into this film, I wonder if maybe the studio was really coming down to be like, you need to hit more beats, or this needs to be more of a... It's probably that. And also the fact that even... You can often have a really incredible director, but when they're forced to do somebody else's work and interpret it, it doesn't always go well. Um, True. Like, I really like Alfonso Cuaron. Like, he's a fantastic director. I really like Children of Men. But he does... um, one of the Harry Potter films that oh, is Sarah's it's the fucking worst. least favorite. And I think, like, there's stuff like that that happens Prisoner a lot. Prisoner of Azkaban can go... <laughs> <laughs> Where really good directors try and adapt a work, and it doesn't work. Because have, they have their own vision against somebody else's vision, and sometimes that those, those two points just can never connect. And that could be what happened here, because they're both incredibly talented people, but, you know, we get this sort of, like, almost there film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a bad movie. No, it is not a bad movie. I don't mind it, but it, to me, it, it was I mean, a huge letdown. I honestly... For, for somebody who loved the comic. I, I love the comic, and I enjoy the movie. I, I have come to terms over my lifetime, like, as a, a librarian and someone who enjoys reading all the time. And I've that seen... That the movies are never as good as the book? Yeah, no, like, I'm not... Like, saying it, like, as a disparaging comment to people who like comics a lot, like, as someone who reads a lot of books, and books get made into movies all the fucking time, like, it's never going to be as good. Well, what about The Godfather? I just, I... (laughs) Jaws. Was it? Yeah, because there's, like, a weird rape fantasy in the book. Well, sometimes people have weird rape fantasies. I don't need it in my book about a shark. (laughs) I need it in another book that I'm going to read in bed. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. Well, don't read some books that I know about. <laughs> oh, we'll talk after. I don't like uh, where this is going. Let's end the podcast. Uh, I will say there's something I did want to mention. Never read Big Love. <laughs> their, uh, their inclusion of some of Brian Lee O'Malley's art into the movie... I really dug. I like that a lot. Oh, they... like the sketch of uh, of Ramona on like the piece of notebook paper is a is a <laughs> Brian Lee. Yeah, but I mean, like the flashbacks, the two or three flashbacks of her ex boyfriends are literally just the pages from the comic. Anime. Yeah, and plus, like, there's like the uh, the sequences with the the giant um, uh, uh, like notepad with stuff on it. Usually, when describing the exes, those are really cool too. I think those must be Brian Lee's too. Yeah, he did all the big art. Oh, yeah, I absolutely adore that, yeah. This, the scene where they're talking about the haircut. <laughs> yeah. And the, there's, like, the little oh, sketch yes, of the bad haircut. I wish there was more of that, actually. There isn't enough of it. Yeah, did and you know, that's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, did you know, Pokes, I've been both Ramona and Kim Pine for Halloween before. <laughs> it's true. Well, I would like to see pictures of this. <laughs> we'll put them up on the Facebook. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so... That was stuff that I really dug, and overall, it was it was a good movie. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I, I definitely one of the more pleasant watching experiences we've had in this podcast, you know, series. Yes. So, uh, is there anything else either one you wanted to mention? I think I've exhausted my talking points on Scott Pilgrim. It was way better than Alien versus Predator. It's true. You had to watch that one too. Oh, you watched that with yeah. him? I'm, I apologize. Only part of it. <laughs> she. She. You fell asleep. Yeah, she, and she briefly no. divorced me for, for, for a bit no, so she didn't I have to watch it. I left and went into another room. <laughs> and could still hear it, so I moved out for a week just in case he kept watching it. God. Uh, well, uh, I, I guess that's going to be it then for this episode. 
We're going to drop the, we mentioned this on the mini episode, but we know no one listens to those. We're going to drop the sequential to cinema part into just a visual aid that Ben does on the Facebook page. If you're not checking those out, you should because he's doing a killer job. And this is going to be a really fun one because they went above and beyond to match these sequences. So it's going to be a real, real cool one to check out. Yes. So check those out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash pod. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at It's Pogues or go to my website, Art of Pogues, Ben. I'm at the Disco Pony on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can also catch me at TheRealBenChapman.com. Sarah, do you have anything you would like to plug? Can I get a Discman of this? A Discman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want us to make you a, a mixtape? device that plays? Yeah, we'll make you a mixtape. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> That's that's how you woo a woman. Oh, boy. It's never worked. Uh, all right, well, that's it then for this week. Sarah, thank you for coming. It was nice to have a female opinion for once. Finally. Yes. I mean, other than Ben's. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, oh my guys. My gender isn't important to this podcast. It's okay. You'll, you'll be a lady soon. <laughs> well, I mean, the joke's really on me because he's with his wife. <laughs> Uh, That's it then for this week. We'll catch you on the mini episode next week where we'll tell you the next film up. And thanks for coming. Remember, bread makes you fat.